0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off
0: on all things Broncos.
1: Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. It is the 13th of June, Tuesday evening, 6.03 Mountain Time, and it's time for an episode of a uh, Building the Broncos on a championship night in Denver, right? Or I guess we're still, we're, the party started yesterday. We're continuing on through the weekend here, uh, coming up here, but congratulations to the Denver nuggets. I am not much of a basketball fan. Carl, little known factor actually played more basketball in high school than football, but, uh, that's neither neither here nor there. I preferred playing it to watching it, but congrats, Denver nuggets. Denver is a right and high of a championship town. The, the mammoths, right? The lacrosse team, obviously the avalanche last season. And now the Denver nuggets much deserve, uh, Congratulations, Denver Nugget fans and Denver fans in general. It seemed like an absolute crazy chaotic party uh, last night in Denver. Not always the safest party, but uh, mm-hmm. the good ones typically aren't, I guess. I
2: was going to say, I saw a video of, um, I think it was Anthony Era uh, Gordon, their power forward, and like people were oh. surrounding his vehicle and just shaking the vehicle, and he's up there rocking on top of his vehicle and everything else, and, and yeah, it was quite the party going on there, and I'm sure that parade that's happening on Thursday, going to be quite the, quite the showing, you know, it's kind of the, the one nice thing about when your sport ends in the summer, it's a nice day when you go to the parade, Mm -hmm. you know, Broncos win in February, not always the best day to be out there in Denver, but um, I mean, still want to go anyway. So yeah, happy for the Nuggets, happy for all their fans, 47 years in the waiting and they they did it the right way. You know, that's the other thing of just getting to see how they built this team They didn't go buy superstars. They drafted them, built them up, gave players time to develop. And, you know, just here in Denver, we've been watching them go through coaching staffs like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying any of the coaching staffs have been great by any means, but I'm hoping with Sean Payton, they're willing to give him the time. If this season doesn't go perfect, but they're like, Hey, we're going to give you a few more years, let you get your guys into the building, get your culture built up. Those kind of things. I, I hope the Broncos can learn a little bit from that.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, gosh, can they luck into uh, the best player in the league uh, round two? I mean, obviously a little bit of uh, luck involved there. It'd be essentially like drafting. Jokic is like drafting uh, you know, Tom Brady in the sixth right now, right? They're getting him in the second yeah. round when those non-lottery picks typically are like teams are trying to get rid of them so they don't have to sign their first round guy. So will be uh, interesting uh, to see how he play- goes forward next season. And, man, I'm loving all the Jokic love. He just seems like such a uh, unique player. Uh, can you call a guy that talented and good a goober? I mean, I'm a goober, right? We can call yeah. him out. He's, he's just more excited to get back for his horses or anything. So not the Denver Nuggets talk. But well, you guys drop a like in here. Uh, congrats to the Nuggets, obviously. And let's say hello to some people in here. Dylan Von Arks saying, sup, Broncos country. Make sure you guys hit that like button on the way in. Share on all platforms and subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you so much. we got Kevin Gray in the house saying, good evening, Broncos country. Nick Carlton Scott and a Mile High salute. Denver Broncos for life. Mile High huddle for life as well. Good to see you. We got Mile High Mike coming in saying we needed frank clark because we can't rely on randy gregory and after him we didn't have much of a pass rush presence i'm glad we got him now if we could only get another starting running back so mile high mike obviously talking about the official signing today of frank clark to the broncos carl and i were talking before the show it's like frank clark wasn't signed yet. that's what Sean payton said but then like two hours ago three so during like the press conference he was the ink was You know, on the the quill, and he was drawing it on that contract. So officially, official uh, Frank Clark at Denver Bronco. What are your thoughts, uh, Carl? What do you think first off about uh, not relying on Gregory and the lack of options after him?
2: Yeah, I mean, you and I have talked on this show a few times that one of the positions we really wanted the Broncos to look at was edge position. Mm -hmm. Just we like Randy Gregory when he's healthy. Baron Browning's another one that's kind of an up and coming player, looking pretty good, and some okay depth guys that maybe you could get excited about for their potential, but really no, no excitement for that group. Uh, You know, like I said, last year, once a couple of those guys went down, there was no pressure from that unit. And so Frank Clark makes a little bit of sense. He wasn't my top choice for the edge position. He makes a little bit more sense now that they said Baron Browning might start the season on, on the PUP list, uh, the pup. I know some people are saying that it was Frank Clark that's going to start on the pup. No, it's actually Rick, uh, Baron Browning that's going to start on the pup for, for the Broncos. And so Frank Clark, pretty good all around player, decent against the run, decent in the pass rush. I mean, he's, he's nothing special. He was a lot more special in his time with Seattle. And and so I'm kind of interested to see was it the defense that kind of took his stats, at least the the raw stats like sacks and stuff like that, down, or was it more? just, he's just kind of that player of a five to seven sack kind of guy every year.
1: Yeah. Sorry. My water heater just kicked on. If you can hear that, I guess I didn't shut that door, but um, yeah, no, the Frank Clark, they talked about him today in the press conference saying he's going to be playing that outside linebacker spot, that edge spot there in this defense and they're going to do what they can to line him up in uh, ideal pass rushing situations to get after the quarterback. So we'll be a lot of fun to see. Uh, What do you think about his second comment here about needing a starting running back though for mile high, Mike?
2: I'm not quite there. You know, I, I think I, I would have been there if Javante Williams wasn't already practicing. Like if we were heading into training camp and still kind of wondering whether he's going to be ready to go or not, I'd be a lot more nervous. But the fact that he's already in drills, already uh, making cuts on the, on that knee. And I, I was watching a video from a doctor and they were talking about when they can tell a player is back. And they talk about how they're running of just how far up their legs kicking when they're when they're running and a lot of times that injured knee is about six inches lower uh and so they compared like jk Dobbins had a similar injury and they were showing practice videos from him where he couldn't quite get that leg up as far where Javante they're showing okay it's right up there with the other one even with that knee brace on and I know that's getting into some weird weird stuff there, but still
1: yeah. the, the epidemiologist was, in me is like, okay, what's the sample size on that kind of thing? I mean, it's a, such a small uh, rate of those guys in that position that I don't know. I, I don't know how much value I put in that.
2: Right. And maybe you're right. But like I said, just the fact that he's already practicing when we weren't sure if he was even going to be practicing in training camp, you know, he's making cuts on it. He's not even just being a guy on the sidelines. He's actually getting into some drills. So it makes me feel a little bit better about that running back position. I'd still like to, see them at least talk to some of these players these veterans that are out there you know it's just hard you got so many of these young guys they got some speed guys but how are they really going to fit within this offense the the coaches have a better idea of what they're seeing and what they want but right now because we have nothing to go off on them it's kind of hard to trust they're going to be that good number three running back for the broncos
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Yeah, good point all around, and there's still a lot of running backs available. I mean, there's been some talk of Josh Jacobs, you know, holding out, maybe the rescinding of the franchise tag on that one. Obviously, Kareem Hunt is still out there, Ezekiel Elliott's still out there, Dalvin Cook is now out there, so we'll see what happens. So James Robinson is available again. uh, He's been bouncing around, so... The Broncos, I think they're going to kind of see what these guys look like at mandatory minicamp, and if things are not progressing, they still have plenty of options on the veteran running back market. So we got Troy Bauer coming in here saying, hey, guys, I heard Caden Stearns really is beefed up this year. I did not hear the same thing about Benito. Any chance it happened anyway, he sure needs to. Have you heard anything? First off, Caden Stearns, he's been getting some some buzz here uh, mm-hmm. from OTAs. Haven't heard much about mandatory minicamp yet, but Caden Stearns definitely arrow trending up if he can stay healthy.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, again, we, we've seen him, his rookie year looked very, very promising as a player. I think he had, what, three or four interceptions his rookie year and very limited snaps. And beyond that, he was just, he was pretty darn good uh, just in coverage, coverage wise. And so I thought, hey, this is that next guy for the Broncos. And unfortunately, got injured and injuries are always going to be a problem. If you can't stay on the field, that's that's a big issue, you know, uh, so I'm interested to see if if he can stay healthy. I think he could win that starting spot. Uh, I think you could see Kareem Jackson kind of being more the insurance guy at this point. And if, if Caden Stearns is ready to go, maybe they say, hey, Kareem Jackson, thank you for your time here. Here's that million dollars bonus that we gave you just to be the insurance, and we'll see you later. And I, I'd be very happy about that because they need to get some young guys going. They need some of these draft classes from the last few years to really fill in. After the Russell Wilson trade to make this team work, uh, but I haven't heard much on Bonito. I I didn't have much hope for him coming in to his NFL career. I'm not really going to have a whole lot going into this season as well. Like it's, it's pretty much going to be anything he brings to the Broncos is going to be bonus for me. I, I I'm kind of still of the thought that maybe he doesn't make this roster. You know, I, any- I I like some I, I like some of the backups a little bit better. Jonathan Cooper. I think he's proven to be a solid backup for the Broncos. I think they got a couple guys. You know, Christopher Allen. I've talked about him before. I really like his game. You know, they added uh, Thomas and Coombe is another one that I think a lot of people are very high on. I think he got the highest signing bonus of any of the undrafted guys for the Broncos.
1: It was and, that the him or that cornerback they brought in,
2: right? And, and so, anyway, they, they like him. They they think he has some promise. And Bonito's not part of this coaching staff, so I think he's going to be really fighting for a job.
1: Yeah, we'll be interesting to see how it plays out there. Thank you so much, Troy, for the uh, comments and getting the ball rolling on the Stars. We really do appreciate that. Let's say hello to some more people in here. Mike guessing, what's up? Good to see you, Mike. Kathy Bond says, hi, fellas. Long time. It has been a while. Hope you're doing well. Glad to hear you're doing well. Uh, and I uh, hope everything's great. Got Jesse Hilborn in the house. And good evening, everyone. Good to see you, Jesse. You got Sunny Days saying, News 9 saying they lost. Oh, there was nine people who were slain um, last night in the uh, chaos that was the win. So, hate to see that uh, i yeah. did not uh did not see that was going on so that really sucks but i mean god r.i.p i don't even know what to say to that you know be, be smart uh michael ronquillo saying good evening nick and carl i'm building the broncos go broncos and buckham thank you so much I also said these facebook stars are for the nuggets fans and the denver nuggets organization on winning their first nba championship i know that a lot of uh broncos people denver people specifically have been up and down on their opinion on uh, the Cronkies, but man the Cronkies have been Winning like crazy here. Rams, Avalanche, Arsenal was incredible this season. The Mammoth, I think they the Mammoths they also own. And uh now the Denver Nuggets. So uh heck, I guess they must be doing something right in the uh the sports ownership department. Uh so I guess, I guess congratulations to the Conkies, but more more so, like Michael says here. Congrats to the Nuggets fans, especially the ones. I mean any of them. If you were just riding along for the fun of it at the end, God bless you. I'm not here to gatekeep, but I do feel even better for the ones who have been fans for a long time because the Nuggets have been a afterthought team even during their run right teams are like oh can't wait for this finals to be over nuggets yawn screw them (laughs) who cares it counts congrats on the win
2: no i'm with you there and thank you michael for all the stars there Mm -hmm. uh just uh you're right huge shout out to all the the fans that have been supporting this team and i know they've been going through like a tv blackout in colorado which is another whole issue but uh beyond that again just to, to have this for the fans to have this for the city and just to have two championships now in the city. Now it might in today, the Stanley cup might be leaving Denver today, but, but beyond that, it's been just a great time for the city and hopefully the Broncos are learning something from this. And I think even Tim Patrick talked about it where, you know, Sean Payton is pushing them and saying, this is what it takes to go get a championship like they've done. And a lot of players have really responded saying we want that. So, um, Like I said, sometimes it does. It really motivates an entire city and other organizations.
1: Yeah, it definitely felt like there's a little bit more of following of the nuggets from the Broncos players than the avalanche last season. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just a basketball is more popular than hockey, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. Also saw that three of the uh, coaching staff and training staff uh, for the nuggets were Iowa Hawkeyes. So congratulations to those (laughs) world champion Iowa Hawkeyes out there too. Greg Smith, good evening, Broncos country, Denver Broncos for life. Good to see you. We got Daniel Berry Sports Highlight saying, Sue op op" to you as well, Daniel. Hope you're doing well. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And let's get into a little bit of this news today. So we got uh, Baron Browning news. I think it's the big one um, today that you wanted to get into. But first, we want to say hello to Phil McLaughlin coming in here. Phil with the stars saying, good evening, Carl Nick and Deacon Scott. Who gets the most receptions and yardage between Sutton, P. Ryan, Judy, and Dulcich, assuming Williams doesn't start this to me is a pretty easy question. And Phil, if you tune back to what uh, Scott and I talked this morning, we broke down, we ranked and broke down the Broncos weapons in terms of their value entering the season. And Scott and I both had the same person. We said Jerry Judy. I think that inside outside, they're talking about using, I thought it was interesting. Sean Payton mentioned using sudden in the Michael Thomas role, which means probably a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, you know, maybe more of some big slot work out there for him, but I think that helps unlock Judy a little bit, especially getting him further from the line of scrimmage means you are a little bit less worried about the contested catches, the physicality, you know, getting a big hit over the middle of the field. So uh, yeah, Judy for me is the one I think it's probably the most reception receptions and the most yardage.
2: So let me reverse this question. Who gets the fewest
1: out of these ones? Yeah. I think right now I would have to say P Ryan uh, just because he does have uh, still have Javante Williams and in, in theory ahead of him. And with the recent talk of from Sean Payton, I think last week, two weeks ago, of using Dulcich as the oh god the Joker position, which historically has been a running back, I think that eats into carries or touches uh, from P Ryan as well. So I think out of these ones, it's probably P Ryan because you have the Williams and Dulcich uh, eating in on that target share uh, for the fantasy community out there.
2: Yeah, and and I'm with you on the Judy side of things as well. I, I think just what we saw last year if anybody's going to emerge as that true number one wide receiver, it's going to be him. You know, Sutton, yeah. I think he's proven to be a solid number two in the league. And and maybe he can get back a little bit closer to what he
1: was 2019 before his injury. Did you catch Sean Payton's comments about that? Uh-huh. Uh, about he said that uh, Sutton, um, he enjoyed his uh, mix from 2019. He's looking forward to his 2023 soundtrack. Okay. So <laughs> Nice analogy, Sean, but, uh, appreciate that. So yeah, getting back to what Sean, you mentioned it, you know, that's what I thought. That's where you're going with it, but uh, oh, okay. like that 2019 stuff, hoping to get back to it. Yeah.
2: And I think he can can get back to it or at least pretty similar, mm-hmm. but I just think Jerry Judy has a few extra things that he can do that Sean Payton's really going to want to feature. And I think Sean Payton does a great job of figuring out, okay, this is the guy I want to feature in this offense, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think, you know, you saw it with Michael Thomas when he was really at his best. Yeah. I think that's going to be Jerry Judy. Now, you might have Corlin Sutton running a lot more of the Michael Thomas kind of routes, but you also don't have Drew Brees really wanting to be that short yardage kind of guy here.
1: You've, You've got, got Russell team. Wilson
2: who wants to go a little bit more into the intermediate and deep, and that's where Jerry Judy loves to live.
1: Yeah. It will be really interesting to see how this uh, target distribution of this offense looks like because the number one, Factor in any of that is Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson, despite the size, is not Drew Brees. Uh, so, the yak and the quick pass game are of uh, were struggles last season. We'll see what they look like this season. Uh, but yeah, getting back to it, we did want to talk uh, about Baron Brown and everything. But first, we want to say hello to Zach Powers in the house. Good to see you, Zach. We always appreciate you. And Chase coming in, circling back on this comment earlier, saying, Boy, that Benito pick looks worse by the day. Still too early for me to uh, totally give up on him because he is talented, and guess what? He can have a niche value role where he can, you know, be that fourth edge rusher and only come in in pass situations until he books up and is better against the run. You probably won't see him much on first and second down those base package stuff, but he can still be a valuable player 64 overall. You know, we can debate that, but I'm not quite ready to give up on him because what he does have is the ability to speed rush and bend the corner pretty damn well slippery in that regard. And that plays, even if that's your like one skill, that's something that somebody out there is going to value on a 53 man roster and he can make an impact. As long as he's also contributing to special teams right
2: right and so yeah our our news today now he hasn't been put on pop yet because no team has done that yet but Mm. it does sound like Baron Browning is heading that kind of direction and so Broncos like you said Frank Clark got signed by the Broncos earlier today and sounds like good chance he's probably gonna be starting week one for the Broncos Frank Clark not Baron Browning and I I don't know when Baron Browning is gonna be back It sounds like he had a partially torn meniscus and they actually had to go in and do surgery now the broncos tried to play it off like oh no big deal he'd be back for training camp and then like later that day they're like well never mind maybe he won't be and i was listening to a a sports doctor that you know does these kind of surgeries and and he said usually this kind of repair that they're talking about don't expect him before like december And oh my gosh, that just, I broke my heart when I read that. I'm like, please don't be right. Please don't be that like great doctor that actually knows what they're talking about. And, but again, that's kind of where I'm leaning of. If you get anything from him before December, I guess I'm going to feel really good about it. Right now, I'm just kind of banking on the idea of Frank Clark and Randy Gregory having to start the
1: season. I mean, this whole Baron Browning thing so far has been slippery slope i guess in the worst direction you know to begin with first like frank clark signing oh baron browning's been missing otas and voluntary mini camp uh but he should be okay a small procedure oh actually you know two hours later he might not be back yet now it's we're at this point where are we gonna even see him this season right and something that we talked about a a lot last season and even you know this off season uh that baron browning to date has been dealing with the injury bug pretty much every single season. I mean, even coming out of Ohio state, he had some injuries. I think he was the number two or three rated recruit at linebacker in his uh, recruiting class, really high up there. Uh, He's going to play edge, going to play stack linebacker, whatever. Uh, And now you have uh, his rookie season. He missed almost all of rookie mini camp and uh, missed some time because of injury. Last season he was dealing with, I believe it was a hip. And now you're dealing with a knee injury. I mean, that's four injuries in like six seasons now with him. So I love the talent of Baron Brown and we both were extremely excited when the Broncos drafted him because of that talent profile that he possesses length. I mean, if you plug him in mock draftable, the guy, he, his physical profile most compares to is Cleo Mack, which is pretty damn good company for an edge rusher. Uh, no doubt, but has not been able to stay healthy and still raw as a pass rusher at this point, maybe it's start maybe not hitting the panic button for him, but we're definitely approaching the worry spot for him, uh, with that, uh, knee surgery that he had and Harold jeans. And I thought he had arthroscopic surgery that uh, I think you can have arth- arthroscopic surgery on a meniscus in the knee. Right. So that's just the specification of what it is.
2: Right. And like I said, I, it was one doctor that said that it might not be till December. I just know, usually if you're repairing a meniscus, you're talking about a decent recovery time on that. And I think, the way it kind of sounds is that this has been kind of a lingering thing that they were hoping would just kind of heal itself. Mm -hmm. And you hate this kind of moment where you're you're planning on that. You wait a few months and then it doesn't work. And now you got to go get surgery. So now you're a few months behind where you could have been if you just went ahead and got surgery at the beginning. And that's, that's the chance you take. I think I remember, was it Shane Ray kind of went through that as well with his wrist? I think so. Like, oh, we'll just kind of let it heal up. And then it just never quite healed up and never. Right. Yeah. And then he just never quite became the player that we were hoping that he had become being a first round pick. And so, yeah, like I said, the Frank Clark signing really makes a ton of sense when you start putting it into that kind of perspective. You know, he's he's a good veteran, comes from a winning organization, and hopefully can kind of pour that into this organization as well. He's a talented player. He's not what he used to be, obviously, but he's still got a lot He's still, what is he? 29, I think right now.
1: 29, 30. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think he's going to turn 30 about the start of the season, if I remember right. But uh, so he's still got something left in the tank. I still wouldn't mind the Broncos maybe still adding to the position that Baron Browning is not going to be back till December. Just because, again, I I just don't know. Jonathan Cooper, I think he's a decent number four. But who's that number three for the Broncos if Baron Browning's not here? I don't think Bonito's that going to be that guy. So then you're kind mm. of banking on one of these guys that hasn't done anything in the league becoming a lot more than we think they are.
1: And then the wild card is Zach Allen, right? He's not yeah. the small body type, but depending on the packages, he can play some edge as well. Uh, came out of as an edge from Boston college and was best last season over the B gap, but will be interesting. I mean, right now, if I was putting on odds for the Broncos first round pick in 2024, I think I would put it on edge rusher uh, followed by offensive tackle. And then, God, Lord, Lord knows about quarterback at this point. But uh, edge rusher <laughs> yeah. is definitely a concern in the immediacy, but also the long term, uh, as we've talked about on here. And so, also, as Logan comes in and says, having a plethora of pass rushers is never a bad thing. The only answer, how much pass rush does a team need? The only answer is more. Yeah, really. I mean, go get go hunt. Right. So let me ask you
2: this, because we kind of saw it with Baron Browning when he came to the league, kind of started off an off-ball linebacker for the Broncos. And then they just had such a need at the edge position. He got moved down there. Drew Sanders coming into the NFL, probably going to start off at off ball, but now you got a real needed edge and you've got maybe two or three guys that you really like at at the Mike linebacker spot. Would you be moving him down to edge?
1: I'm just going to say off ball about 10 times until Scott has an ulcer. Sorry. On the other okay. screen. No, it's okay. Mike. I love it. No, it's like, it's, it's, I've heard Kirby smart say off ball before too. Yeah. Linebacker is definition of off ball. Indeed linebacker. So I think, but Drew Sanders has a chance to be a fine edge, but I think his real money is going to be at that Mike spot as a stack, whether it be one of the two inside linebackers in the three, four. So I think you could do it in some cases, but I want to, th- I would rather have it be much more of a worst case than in- our break glass in case of emergency thing versus moving. him. I think he's got much greater potential, uh, as a second level linebacker stack, if you will, uh, versus that of the edge spot. You just, I don't see the overall mass, the size, the length that even a guy like Baron Browning, who is small for an edge, he's bigger and longer than Drew Sanders. So I don't see that being his long-term path. Ideally, uh, I think the ability also, he's a very good pass rusher as a linebacker stack linebacker, but as an edge, I think he's only okay at that spot. So I'm not about it personally. I'd rather go a different route with him.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I really don't like moving players, especially Mm -hmm. their, their rookie season. I kind of want to say, Hey, this is who you are. This is where you're staying. We're going to teach you this one position, and then we can maybe add more to your plate as you go. And you can kind of move them around and just say, okay, you know, third down specialist. We're going to have you come into to this spot, just so teams have to respect that you could be coming. And then they got to figure out, okay, we're going to stick you next to Randy Gregory. Who are you blocking? One of them. One of them's dropping back. One of them's coming. And just give them some different looks. But we got Patrick coming in saying, feed, feed Frank. Aloha, gents. Patrick, always good to see you in here. And uh, had about three or four cups of coffee of your coffee earlier today, and quite enjoyed it and my I had somebody I was riding in a vehicle and they smelled your coffee we're like "Ooh, that smells really good I said well I'm sorry this is the last cup so they didn't get any but I'll I'll try to give them some later today or later later this week but I appreciate you joining us here Patrick
1: yeah shout out to Patrick Lion Coffee Company out there in Hawaii I got the mug right here behind me shout out to Lion Coffee um it was kind of funny my buddy I'm in Seattle right of course and my buddy from Germany was out here and the day before he like right before we flew out, we met. I picked him up and we went to the uh, Starbucks Reserve out there in a Capitol Hill. Kind of a cool spot if you haven't been there before. And uh, I had my coffee from Lion Coffee Company in the car. And we had just finished our coffee at uh, the Starbucks Reserve. And he came in. He's like, oh, my God, your coffee in the car smells amazing. Like, just like, I can't even handle it. And that was just after having, you know, the the fancier coffee from uh, Starbucks. So shout out to Lion Coffee. Even uh, my German uh, buddy is all about that stuff. We had a bunch on the uh, backcountry trail as well. Really yummy. Really good. So shout out to you. Appreciate it. We got our guy Kayleon Green coming in. Kayleon's got a new picture. What's going on here? Hope you're doing well. I don't see if he's uh, smoking a cigar like he was in that old one, but good to see you, Kayleon. Hope you're doing well. And Chase with a comment here saying, is the interior defensive line currently the biggest need for this team? It might be Edge again now that we have Baron Browning on Pup, and we have a lot of question marks behind him, but I mean, yeah, Ed, uh, interior defensive line is a big question, depending on what you think about D.J. Jones's role this season um, and Mike Purcell and also Zach Allen's role. I mean, I just I want to see what it looks like with this defense, but as it currently stands, I prefer Mike Purcell being like a true 3-4 nose that's only in there, what, 15% of the snaps, 20% yeah. of the snaps? Do I want to have D.J. Jones playing 80, 85% of the snaps? Probably not. So I'd really like to have one more quality interior defensive lineman in there personally but I got to tell you, I am biased towards that interior defensive line and pass rush in general is a position that I would just load over the top every season uh, to get guys. So more is better. I could, I would love to have another quality interior defensive. line. it doesn't have to be a great player, but just like somebody can come in and play 40% of the snaps that you feel good with. Cause like right now it's Jonathan Harris. It's not, not good enough for me.
2: So what would it take you to, to think that Auz- a Wozerekie, a Auzureke had a good season this year. Like, what what kind of stats would you want to see from him to make you believe that he could be a future at the position
1: for the Broncos? That's so hard to say because he could be a dirty word guy, right? Like stats, what does that even mean? I'm looking. The eye time. test is much more important for a position like that. I'm guessing. I'm hoping you know, maybe eight pressures and two sacks or something. But what is he? Is he taking on double teams? Is he playing more of that a gap? I uh, really would be curious to see what that role would look like, uh, but him developing into a borderline starter would be awesome. He has the size to do it. He's a little bit older for the prospect, but going from big 12 defensive line to the NFL is a big jump. Uh, so that would, he's one that you're, we are really holding a hope for right now that could fill that role. Um, you have him circled, uh, but uh, the, the Royal you that is, but if not, that's a position that I, I am a little bit worried about uh, going forward.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Chase. That, that's a great question. Probably the position I have the least trust in the backups at this point. Mm-hmm. And like I said, even the starters, if Jonathan Harris has to be a starter, you're not feeling great about that. I mean, teams are going to attack him big time. And Zach Allen, you could move him interior, but he's a little bit undersized for it. He can get pushed around. You, you kind of like your ability to, to have him play more at that defensive end position for the Broncos and and get a little bit more in that five tech kind of spot. So
1: yeah.
2: um, you're right. If they could add one more player, I'd feel pretty darn good about that defense and the depth.
1: Yeah. And Harold Jean says, Eric made a great suggestion of Matt Ionitis. I'm pretty sure I suggested Matt Ionitis when we did our discussion of the Broncos biggest need left about a month ago. Uh, yeah. You mentioned, I th- want to say you said Melvin Ingram for the edge spot was your choice. I can't recall. You know, and got a bunch it. of edges. Yannick Ngakwe. That's right. Yeah. And I went with uh, Matt Ioannidis uh, as my guy. So that would be great. Uh, we'll see what happens there uh, with those guys. Well, let's steer it back here. We got you know, another 10 to 20 minutes left talking the Broncos here. And Sean Payton took the press conference today. Did you have any other big takeaways from Sean Payton's uh, opening of mandatory minicamp and the press conference that followed?
2: Well, I mean, I, I liked some of his thoughts on, um, just the wide receiver position talking about some of these guys watching Michael Thomas and what, uh, what he did well here. We talked about that a little bit earlier and both Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy have watched that position and watched how how he worked within this offense to, to kind of learn a few things that they could really take into it. And so I, I really like that. Um, I really liked what he had to say about uh, Oak Wabanom as well. You know, just talking about that. Like he has all the talent in the world and talking about, he's a great athlete can actually get down the field. Those kind of things. You know, here we go. Roy saying Sean Payton sure talked up Albert O today. I'm not sure. So sure of that. Your thoughts. Really what he said was we see the talent. Now we got to see, can he maximize it? Can he really go out there and become a consistent play in play out kind of guy? Because we've seen it through his time here in Denver. He's made some plays for the Broncos. But he's also been a liability on a lot of plays where you're kind of going, okay, it's not worth the highlight plays compared to the low light plays. Most coaches are going to pick the guy that can be consistent. They might not be the all-star every single play, but they're going to at least, you know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes that's worth it. you know, Scott kind of made a point about Starbucks coffee. He said, it's not the greatest coffee, but it's going to be the same every single time. You kind of want to see that from him. You know, if he can take that next step to consistently being that kind of guy of just, I know what he's going to do on this play. He's going to do exactly what we tell him to do. Then you can start trusting him to be on the field. But that's, that's why his play snaps went down so early in the season. You know, first game, he's out there quite a bit. I think he probably uh, played like 75% of snaps in the first game. And then it was like by game three, the guys on the bench getting like one snap a game. And they're pretty much talking like, should the Broncos even cut him at this point? Because he's just doing nothing. He doesn't offer anything really special teams wise either. And uh, so like I said, talented guy, he's big, he's fast. He's got a very big catch radius. You really want to see that from the tight end position, especially around the goal line, but you got to trust him too.
1: Yeah. And apparently today he had a couple of big plays uh, down the field and Scott and I talking about it this morning that Sean Payton most of his time in uh, New Orleans had a deep seam stretching tight end. Uh, you can go back, obviously, to everybody thinks of Jimmy Graham, but Ben Watson and Jared Cook, also those uh, very athletic profiles uh, that can do some stuff vertically there. So, Alberto Kuevina, uh we'll see what it looks like this season. He's going to have to contribute on special teams uh, more than he has today, and he's going to have to work on his blocking. But maybe this year it clicks because, as you mentioned, He's got the size and he's got the athleticism, but it takes a little bit more than that, uh, especially as a tight end uh, to succeed in this league. So we'll see intriguing. And even again, it's the kind of comes back to Nick Benito. Maybe he's not a great player all around, but if he can fill a niche and serve well as, you know, a chess piece kind of up there where you have good coaches now that can utilize him in the right situation. Maybe he can be a solid contributor for this team, but he's going to have to round out the most, uh, some of the rest of his game still, especially. Uh, special teams wise. Phil McLaughlin coming in with the stars. Thank you so much, Phil. Uh, good to see you. Always appreciate you coming in and supporting us. I see you. And he says, I see in the comments that Peyton was using Patrick Sertan second as a returner. Dumb, in my opinion. Also, I read that some are saying that Jameel McLaughlin is, uh, will be on the practice squad. Thoughts? So it's, I mean, it's mandatory meeting camp right now. And I think that they are going through all options. I'm sure nobody is touching Sertan on those returns. It's more probably like fielding. Right now, more than actually combing through guys and knifing through guys. So worst case scenario. And I think Sean Payton historically has been somebody whose teams have used starters uh, in special teams. I think Bill Parcell did that a lot. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was John Fox. He had a uh, quote that said special players play special teams. Uh, So you want those, you know, those guys kind of doing that stuff. So uh, we will uh, see how it plays out. But I wouldn't be surprised this year if the Broncos did have more starters out there playing special teams. Uh, under this new coaching staff than we have seen in the past, just like we're seeing more physical tackling uh, and stuff. We're we're returning to a little bit more 1980s, 1990s, philosophical approach on this team.
2: Right. And do I think he'll be the day one punt returner for the Broncos? No. But you never know if that guy goes down with injury. What are you going to do? Emmanuel Sanders was kind of that emergency guy back in the, when he was here with Denver. If their returner went down, here's Emmanuel Sanders. He can go back there and at least catch it. You got to have a guy that you can at least trust to go back there and do that. And so I doubt we're going to see him in that kind of position, but you're right. You got to sometimes have some starters play that you've got 46 active guys on Sunday. That means some starters are going to have to play some special teams at times. Mm-hmm. And Pastor Sertan, he's done some of that before, you know, he did it in college a little bit. I know he did it in high school as well. And, uh, I mean, Alabama's famous for that. They they like some of their starters being on special teams. Tyreek Hill, he's another one. Played returner for the Chiefs a lot. Here he is, their number one wide receiver, and he's going back there because they're like, hey, this is a special guy. This is a big play that could happen for this team. Now, we don't want him to return everything, but if there's a window, maybe we can go back there and do that. So I agree. I I hate the risk of injury for such a a very important player on the defense, but you just got to have guys that can be multiple in the NFL today.
1: And some of the thoughts on returning punts and just the ability to do that, set up your blockers and whatnot, plays as a good cornerback as well, right? Those pick sixes, a lot of times, you know, just speaking about Iowa, everyone drink, but Iowa use a lot of their best defensive backs as punt returners, and there's a reason that Iowa has had so many pick sixes. Uh, they are able to turn into weapons as soon as they have the ball in their hands. And I think some of that ability to punt return and just thinking about the game that way and flipping that switch uh, will uh, help Sertan in the long run as well, assuming other teams throw at him. So I get the conversation about not risking him as a punt returner. I, if it's in the game and they have no other option, or if he's first out there this season, that means they, they failed at some point because you don't want them out there. But in an emergency situation and also in mandatory training camp, I mean, they're trying, they're working at everything right now. Every single situation, this is a break-ass case of emergency. I'm sure he's not the only one out there returning punts. Uh, so long-term in the season, I'm not too worried about it. If we see it, then antennas will go up. Right. Uh, up, other news from uh, Sean Payton today. Obviously, we talked about Alvaro and I'm having a good time. Uh, didn't really talk so much, but the, I guess, the big news today from Broncos from a, transactional uh, perspective is the Broncos brought in longtime Tennessee kick kicker uh, Bullock Randy Bullock I believe is the name Uh, Randy Randy. it's Randy Bullock uh, played for the Titans for a number of years uh, not so anymore and uh, brought in to kick competition uh, for the Broncos so this is a name that probably more likely uh, than anybody else they've brought in so far for the kicker spot. Now that he is in here competing, we'll see though the Broncos are kicking the tires uh, at the kicker position, but another name and uh, we'll see how it plays out.
2: Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in another two or three kickers at some point here this off season. Now he did have a decent season last year. I think he went 17 for 20 and pretty much on everything short, everything below 50, I think he only missed two kicks and then 50 beyond, he was one for two. So uh, not the biggest leg by any means coming into the NFL, but especially with the new NFL rules, big legs, not that big of a deal. You know, I mean, it still matters. You still want a guy that can kick at 55 and below, but for kickoffs, you you don't need that guy that can always kick it into the end zone now. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the guy that they signed because They want to go a a veteran kind of direction. But I I did want to finish McLaughlin. uh, Phil's question earlier where he's talking about uh, McLaughlin for the the practice squad. At this point, we don't have any clue. You know, he's a young player. They haven't got pads on yet. So there's still plenty of time for that guy to earn a roster spot at this point and make the 53. That third running back spot, wide open for anybody to take it.
1: Yeah, and for me, I haven't heard too much about that. I want to see what these guys look like in preseason games and what they look like picking up blitzes, uh, just pass protection in general. That's probably the first thing a running back is going to prove to me. If they're going to make the Is they better damn well know what they're doing in uh, pass rush protection. And then it's the running, uh, the running game. It's pretty hard to simulate a lot of the rushing attack, too. It's something that if you go back to listen to the Senior Bowl episodes and Scott's down there, we're talking about, okay, well, did this offensive lineman or linebacker look well? in rushing drills or running back. It's like, listen, until the game itself, the the senior bowl game, it's pretty hard to evaluate the running game uh, out there in the the practice situation. So preseason, we'll have actual tape. Uh, We'll see if NFL uh, gives us the all 22 this year for preseason, probably doubtful. If it is, it's probably in like eight bit or something, but uh, those are the ones that we're going to be looking for uh, to really evaluate these running backs until then it's, we're going to have to trust uh, the whispers out there and what the coaches are saying. But it, it, like you said, Carl, it's wide open. I uh, wouldn't be shocked at all if it's none of these guys and they bring in somebody else just yet. They've certainly cast a wide net uh, at that spot.
2: Right. And I know I've heard the coaching staff talk really well of these young running backs, that they really do like them, that there's that's part of why they haven't, when got signed a vet veteran, it's why there's a lot of the big media, Bronco media guys saying that the Broncos are not in on Dalvin Cook, at least the local guys. National mm-hmm. guys seem to think the Broncos are really in it. But the local guys pretty much have been hearing that, that the Broncos are just like, no, we're good. We like the guys we have. And it's hard to always know exactly who to trust, national or local, because they're, they're both getting two messages here.
1: It depends uh, on who the national guy is.
2: That's true. That is very true. And so I, I'm sure they're going to allow some of these guys go into training camp, see what they got. And and some of these veterans are still going to be on the market. So let's mm-hmm. say they get to training camp, get the pads on. These guys don't look great. All right. Here we go. Let's go sign this guy. Let's go get this better. And that can give us 800 yards rushing this year. No big deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, Hopefully. Hopefully it is. (laughs) Warren come in and say, Nick is hot. It's just the mustache going on here. I don't know what's going on here. See, typically it's Scott that's getting hit on in here. Uh, So uh, maybe we got to get Scott back in here. too. Carl's the hot one though. He's also the, uh, the teddy bear. Other group. So we appreciate you, Carl coming in here as well on Tuesday evening. Uh, some other guys taking the podium today as well. Jerry, Judy took the podium after Sean Payton and then uh, followed by Tim Patrick. And we also had, Oh gosh, who else took the podium today? Tim Patrick. Uh, did you Sanders also take the podium? No, they wouldn't put a rookie out there. I know Tim Patrick did. And Jerry, Judy, any thoughts on uh, those two taking the podium today?
2: Uh, I mean, it's good to see Tim Patrick back out there getting mm-hmm. some actual work on the field. Said he felt great from, I know the, the media that are there, they can't really report on like individual plays, but a lot of them really said the offense looked great this, today. You know, again, it's mandatory minicamp. They're They're not hitting each other or anything like that. So it's kind of an advantage towards the offense, but it's good to hear that this unit kind of clicking here a little bit early on learning a whole new offense. And like I said, Tim Patrick being back out there. If you had to rank the losses for this team last season, where would Tim Patrick rank?
1: Second. S- ah, second or third. See, I see, typically I think Scott and I argued a lot and maybe you two did as well about losing bulls would kill them, but then Cam Fleming played pretty well. I think mm-hmm. losing uh, Javonta Williams hurt them the most. Yeah. Uh, overall for the offense, I guess maybe. Bradley Chubb is well, the combination of Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory together killed that uh, pass rush unit, but definitely behind uh, Javonta Williams for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'd probably put it about third. Yeah. Corlin, uh Bradley Chubb, I think was one pretty darn big one. I mean, the guy yeah. was really emerging well this season. Uh, it's great that you got a first round pick and great that you turned it into the coach that you got now, mm-hmm. but just losing that pass rush was was pretty detrimental to this team. But Tim Patrick, the most consistent wide receiver on this team, the guy that you can trust to go make the big catch when you need him to, and not having that guy for Russell Wilson when he's struggling, to have a guy that he can go out there and trust, I think that was huge for this offense. And I think he was meant to be a big part of this offense this season. And so again, for him to go down in training camp like he did, just really set this offense back. And then, like I said, Javante Williams going down as well. A lot of things went wrong last season. I mean, we, we can point, point to a hundred different things of why this team failed last season. Yeah. But again, Tim Patrick being back, if he can stay healthy, Corlin Sutton, another year removed from that injury, Jerry Judy, hopefully he can stay healthy as well. If you can keep those three healthy for an entire season, working with Sean Payton as their coach, I think this offense could really
1: take a big step. Yeah. Yeah. Really could. And uh, thank you, Harold. It was like linebacker. Was it Sanders? No, it was uh, Alex Singleton took the podium today. So happy for him. Also, you got the Knights up one to zero for your NHL folks out there. So uh, once the Kraken lost, I was kind of out, but that's okay. Uh, I don't, I think somebody in here was cheering for the Knights. Let's go Knights, I guess. Um, so there you go. But uh, we also had uh, Jerry Judy taking the podium. today. It was great to see Jerry Judy up there and I'm hoping that this is the year that it all comes together for Jerry Judy, not just on the field but off the field. Um, obviously, you had the whole off season of Jerry Judy and trade rumors, and he stayed quiet uh, out there on the press uh, the podium today. Thought he carried himself very well. Uh, there's been some rumblings in the past about you know not not that he's a not a good dude or anything, but just some maturity questions, you know, growing up and whatnot. And uh, maybe this is the year that uh, it all clicks for him and you know really just becomes the man that we all hope that he uh, could be when the Broncos drafted him 15 overall back in 2020.
2: Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, You know, it was great reading Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler living together. Yes. Getting him into a routine. I, I know none of us really expect much from KJ Hamler this year, mm-hmm. but if he can bring anything to this offense, again, if you can have that kind of speed, if he is back 100%, that's just another weapon that a team has to worry about. You, you look at like the Chiefs trying to get as fast as possible. You look at Miami. I mean, Miami, they might be able to win the four by one in the Olympics right now with the kind of speed that they have on that roster. Not really. I'm, I'm just kidding about that. But still, like, it's amazing the kind of speed they have. Uh, I think it's Urban Meyer was the one that was really a big catalyst for that of saying, I'm going to go get the biggest track stars I can and make them football players.
1: Matt Rule also. Yeah. Yeah. Um- for Baylor he would like guys who are not football players but just you know what are their track numbers? okay we're gonna turn you into a football player yeah
2: and I mean you saw how explosive those offenses are where again when you can take a five-yard pass and turn it into a touchdown it just destroys another team mm-hmm. you know they can be okay with you just kind of dinking and dunking down the field like okay hey you you did great you out-schemed us but just those one big play kind of things happening just kind of destroys another team. And oh, what are we going to do now? We got to really back up. Okay. Now they're going to run on us. And so again, if KJ handler can bring anything, you got Marvin Mims, Tim Patrick talked about him going, yeah, that guy's fast. I mean, <laughs> so it's good to hear that as well. Like now you've got some speed on this team if they're all healthy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Track stars sometimes help. I think Harold Jean must be talking about Jalen Virgil here. It's not always uh, plays into uh, football ability, but we'll see what happens with these guys and hopefully they can maximize them. There's snaps to go, but if you're playing wide receiver five, wide receiver six, first question is uh, special teams. It's <laughs> got third time today I've mentioned special teams. Can you guys tell that? as an emphasis uh, for the season should be at least something that I enjoy watching. I feel like people don't talk about enough, but uh, you also had a, so Tim Patrick talked about, you know, recovering and whatnot. KJ Hamler's living with them. Now talked also about the speed that Mims brings. So excited to see what those guys can do. I'll ask you between the season, who do you think is going to end up being the higher used valued player? Is it going to be Tim Patrick or is it going to be Marvin Mims? Tim Patrick still, you think Tim Patrick still? I I do just again,
2: that consistency that he brings on the field i mean what was it the year before not a single drop for the year i think he's the only wide receiver that didn't have a drop i think it was
1: two years ago that he didn't have a drop and then the year prior he actually had i think he was pretty high up on the team not that i always like people tim patrick has the jerry judy has the opinion of him that he has butter hands and then tim patrick has solid hands then Last year, Tim two years ago, Tim Patrick's had a lot of drops. Sorry to interrupt. It was just like no, you're the, good, you're good.
2: <laughs> uh, but like I said, he just he comes up with the play when you need him. And I, I think Russell Wilson's going to really appreciate that kind of receiver being back in the building. And I do think a lot of teams are going to try to, you know, focus in on Jerry Judy, trying to get him stopped. Cortland Sutton's again another guy that teams are going to go. Okay, we got to respect him. And I just think Tim Patrick's going to have a lot of those one-on-one opportunities to really go make some plays. And I, I really trust him to go win a one-on-one matchup.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i with you as well on that one. The thing I come back to is that Sean Payton's offenses, we talked about it with Alberto Koybanom earlier, being that stretch tight end. He's also almost always had a deep speed wide receiver out there and uh, somebody who is low volume, high uh, a dot average depth of depth of target. And I don't know if they're talking about Sutton playing more of the Michael Thomas role. That's more slot, big body slot. Mm-hmm. Jerry Judy's definitely going to be out there. This Tim Patrick, the burner. No, it's probably Marvin Mims in that role. And dating back, you had obviously cook. You also had uh, before that, who had a lot of snaps was a uh, Ted Ginn uh, out there, you know, not a high volume guy, but definitely had a role. So we'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It's uh, obviously every team is different. Every quarterback's different. The leagues evolved. We're in more of a, uh, match quarters uh era now. So maybe Sean Payton wants to attack it differently. I mean, not to get too far in the weeds, but we saw a renaissance of what the Chiefs did just over like one season, right? They went from a very heavy 11 personnel, Tyreek Hill vertical bombs away. And Vic Fangio kind of changed the defensive landscape of the NFL, trying to slow down Patrick Mahomes, going from uh, a lot of his teams went from those Seattle cover three looks to the match quarters, uh cover six, and net... What did Andy, Andy Reid do? Go to more 12 personnel, uh, 21 personnel, short pass game. Uh, I think the Chiefs were one of the heaviest personnel teams in football last season as yeah. well. So pretty crazy. Football cyclical. Football is a cyclical game, no doubt. Phil McLaughlin coming in here saying, uh, with Cushionberry, the weak point of the offensive line, will Fuller, Wattenberg, or Forsyth get a chance, or will we find one during the offseason? Still possible they bring in another center, although... Center's one position I'm less confident in as time goes on that you feel good about bringing in somebody, that they know the chemistry and the playbook and everything. Uh, but those other guys are going to get a shot because Cushionberry's struggled to the point so far that it should be an open competition. is the favorite, but it should be an open competition. I'm interested to
2: hear, once they get done with mandatory minicamp, usually Russell Wilson puts on a throwing camp. I'm interested to see if he's willing to invite some of these other centers to come be a part of that. Because last year, Lloyd Cushenberry came down and did all the snapping and everything else. And so it's just pretty much, okay, this is your starter. This is our guy. And so I'm kind of interested to see if the coaches say, hey, how about you invite Forsyth down there as well? Let's just see what he can do for you. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, usually, you're going to stick with the guy that you think is going to be the starter. And right now, he is probably going to be that guy. And mm-hmm. the Broncos are just going to have to live with him for another year and then try to figure out if they can solve that center position next season. But we got Michael coming in saying, great show tonight, Nick and Carl and building the Broncos. Go Broncos and Buckham. Michael, always good to see you in here. And and I did want to get to the, the comment right above that, Tim Patrick, or sorry, Zach Powers. Um, you were talking about, well, Marvin Mims get to start some snaps over Tim Patrick. One thing that Tim Patrick has, run blocking. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is going to be a power run team, who do you want out there? Now, Marvin Mims, he's he's a high-effort guy in run blocking. Don't take I don't want to take anything away from that. But he's still on the smaller end, and Tim Patrick I think is a really, really solid run blocking wide receiver. So yeah. I think that's why you're going to see him get more run with the offense than Marvin Mims this year.
1: Definitely possible. I am curious who has a bigger impact on the run game. The guy who decompresses the field and maybe makes you play two high safeties? or the guy who's a better run blocker. It is a spacing game. It's like having a good three point shooter. Right. So I, I am fascinated Mm -hmm. to see how all these positions play out right now. We're just, you know, speculating the best we can, but we don't know what Sean Payton wants to do exactly. And I'm sure that things are going to evolve what he's doing right now. There's going to be things that don't work. Uh, So really going to be a fascinating season to follow this Broncos team, not just for the on the field drama, but the off the field drama too, uh, with the Broncos and the whole dynamic there between quarterback and everybody else. But, We'll see. And uh, also fascinating. Michael always coming in supporting us with the stars. Great show. Thank you so much. Uh, go Broncos and Buckham. Go Broncos and Buck. You too, Michael. We appreciate you coming in. I think it's about time we wrap it on up though, where it's a six fifty four mountain time and time to start cooking some dinner. Uh, so guys, we appreciate you coming out here, hanging out with us tonight, Tuesday night on building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter. Carl is at Carl Dumbler MHH. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow us at BTB football pod as well as at mile high huddle. If you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook groups, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high Huddle pod. And as the ticker says here underneath, please subscribe to mile high huddle, like the show, like the channel and share it on your social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, be real. TikTok. tock. Wherever uh, we're out there. We have fun. Uh, so appreciate you guys coming in. Carl, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up on the show? What's going on? What's new? What are you looking forward to? Anything you wanted to reflect on?
2: No, I, I, I like what I'm hearing from the team talking about the professionalism really in the building this year compared to last year, mm-hmm. and you know I've only heard one player that's left the Broncos talk highly of of Hackenberg,
1: Hackett or Hackett sorry Hackenberg. Uh, <laughs> it was the ha- the Hackenberg was the uh, the Blimp version of him that uh, yes. caught on fire pretty early. After... Yeah, <laughs> never mind. Uh, but
2: ahead. Hackett, I've only heard one player talk well of him that ha- that even left the building. Yeah. You know, like those guys can talk freely about the team at that point. And like only one guy has been like, oh, yeah, he was doing some good things here. Rest was of it way. Really, Was it his friend, Billy Turner? No, McManus. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yep. he, t- he actually was like, I think I might have been the one supporter of him and liked what he was doing.
1: Well, he had a job <laughs> and was making a lot of money and got to come out in a refing uniform during minicamp uh, rather than working on his stuff. So, uh, yeah, all right, well, I don't know how much stock I put into that, but uh all right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, shout out to everybody who came in and supported us. Of course, Michael Ronquillo came in today with the supers. I've, I we also had our guy, um, was Lawrence Rivera in the house today. I'm sure Scott has some of these ones as well. Troy Bauer come in with the 999 super. Uh, who are some other ones, Carl? Super chapter. Jeff coming in, Phil, in as well. Phil, of course. Uh let's see. And also want to on Michael Ronquillo, of course, with, with the support and shout out to, of course, our uh, our guy here, where did it go? There we go, Patrick, with the coffee, who's keeping us the lifeblood here. Thank you so much, Patrick. We appreciate you so much. That's going to do it for us today. We hope everyone did well. Uh, I hope everyone had a good day. Everyone did do well. You guys did great in the comment section, keeping it civil. Congratulations again to the Nuggets, uh, NBA champions. Now we'll see how they do next season. It's always harder with the crown on you and every, and the target on your back, everyone coming after you. But we'll see you guys next week, next Tuesday. But until then, choose kindness and compassion. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. This is the story of the one.
2: As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.